listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What is up, podcast family? I'm back with you again today on the podcast, and I'm recording this from a homemade studio in Hamilton, Ohio. And that's where I'm at today, getting ready to start three nights where I'll be preaching here, and I'm looking forward to it. Today, I got something great for you. We're going to jump right into it in just a minute. I want to stop for a second and say thank you to all of the people that have been writing me, and I've been getting a lot of messages, a lot of messages regarding the podcast and uh, testimonials, people saying this podcast is changing my life. I'm going to post a few of these soon so you guys can see for yourself in in those people's words what's happening to them because of uh, the podcast as a result of what we're teaching and preaching. And uh, people are telling me, man, this is my spiritual fuel that's helping me to get through the week and be empowered to do what God's called me to do. And so I want to stop and say thank you to everybody that continues to share the podcast on a weekly basis on your social media platforms, wherever you're sharing it. Say I'm saying thank you to you. And uh, I know now we're getting get to the place where uh, people know it's Tuesday and they're looking forward to the podcast coming. I already get messages. If it gets too late in the day and the podcast hasn't aired yet, people are at, where's the podcast? It's podcast Tuesday. Where is it at? And so that makes me happy that people are uh, expecting and looking forward to it. And so I want to say thank you. And listen, if you're new to the podcast, I want to encourage you to go back, listen through uh, to a lot of these episodes that we have. They'll build your faith and uh, they'll encourage you to do what God's called you to do. Uh, And if you are new or if you're listening and you're a veteran of the podcast, once again today, I want to ask you to share it. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you may share, uh, fax it to somebody, whatever you've got to do, get it out there so that the word's going out and uh, it's changing people's lives. And I'm so happy for that. Uh, Today, I want to give you something that's been in my spirit. And as you saw from the title, I'm going to give you three good reasons to leave your church, three good reasons to leave your church. And I don't want this to sound like I am against church by no means. Am I against church or going to church? I'm not one of these new people that uh, is all about, you know, just going to church online, staying home. No, I believe that the Bible uh, tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that as long as we are here on this earth, we are not to stop gathering as believers in a church service. That is God's desire. He's the one that established the church. He's the one that set it up the way it's set up, and we need to be faithful to church without question. We must be faithful to church. Uh, So I don't want you to think from the outset that I'm somehow against going to church or anything like that. I am for it. I am in church more than probably anybody I know, and when I'm home from being in church every single night of the week, I make sure to be very faithful to my home church when I'm in town as well. So I want to encourage you to do the same. You need to be more faithful now than you've ever been. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. And we can clearly see um, Jesus is getting ready to come back to this earth. The day of the Lord is approaching very quickly. 
meaning that we shouldn't be going to church less and less, as the statistics are telling us that many do, but we should be going to church more and more. That's the scripture. That's what God commanded us through the writer of Hebrews to go to church more and more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And uh, it's sad when you see the average uh, in America is somewhere between the, the person who attends church goes on average once between every once every four weeks and once every seven weeks. So, uh, you know, that's a very sad thing. But I think I have a, a clue, which we'll get into today, as to why that's happening more and more uh, with millennials and even those in older generations, why people are being less and less faithful to church. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. But within this podcast, I'm going to give you three good reasons to leave your church. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is where you go to church is a matter of life and death without question. And I today I'm primarily want to talk to you about why it's important for you to be in a church that believes, not only believes in the Holy Spirit and his work, but is a church that is manifesting the power of the Holy Spirit uh, on a weekly basis. And, w- and what I mean by that is, is we have a lot of churches in this day and age, in this generation, that it seems like, even churches, by the way, that used to be Pentecostal Holy Ghost filled churches that I'm talking about denominational churches that are in full gospel denominations that are backing away from the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And it's actually very, very sad thing to see happen because I can tell you from traveling around this nation and around the world that this generation needs the Holy Ghost more than ever before without question. We need the manifestations and the power of the Holy Ghost. So what I'm talking about primarily today is why it's important to attend a Holy Ghost-filled church, a church that not just on paper believes in the manifestations of the Spirit, because you'll find that too. You'll find these churches that are denominational, uh, you know, full gospel churches that on paper, you know, they say they believe uh, in all of these things, divine healing, uh, speaking in tongues as the evidence, the initial evidence of being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, all these things. They'll say on paper the gifts of the Spirit. They believe in all nine gifts of the Spirit and all this, but you don't ever see those things being practiced in the actual church services. And that's a huge danger. And I'm going to tell you why today. Uh, not only that, I, I want to just tell you from personal experience that as I've been traveling and talking with pastors, uh, I was recently talking with a pastor in a, in a, a main line. I'm talking about like one of the major Pentecostal denominations. He pastors a church within that denomination. And uh, he said that recently their denomination has wanted uh, all the churches to kind of contribute a little bit more money to the uh, headquarters so that they can uh, have a fund for church planting. And he called the the headquarters of their denomination and basically said, uh, this is not, I'm not going to be donating any more money to this church planting fund until we get this thing ironed out because he had had people in his church that moved away and went to another church uh, where they moved in the same denomination 
And they asked the pastor uh, at the end of a service, would it be okay if we were to, you know, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit around the altar? And uh, the pastor told them, no, no, it would not be okay. Because first of all, uh, we, we don't even, we haven't even told the congregation yet that this is a spirit filled church. And not only have we not told the congregation, it's not a spiritual church. We don't have a plan in place as to how we're going to tell them that this is a spirit filled church. And so when you hear stories like that, and they're not few, these are stories all over. I mean, I, I hear them all the time, not to mention a lot of these new churches that seem to be uh, cropping up all over the United States. And again, I'm not against church planting. I'm not against, uh, you know, churches being birthed all over the country. I'm not against that. We need church, but you can't call it uh, uh, an effective church if it's not doing what Christ uh, designed for it to do and commissioned it to do. And that's why I'm talking about this today, because if you're stuck in some uh, mainline denominational church that's going through the motions, when I say going through the motions, let me tell you why I am so, um, let me just tell you why I'm so thinking about this so much recently is because I've been hearing all of these these uh, statistics coming back. For example, we know that in the United States of America, the average size of a church is 70 people. That is down from 85 people less than 10 years ago. So what we're seeing by the statistics are on the average, churches are shrinking. You go to Canada, okay? And in Canada, even in those Pentecostal denominations, a friend of mine who's in the uh, one of the largest Pentecostal denominations in Canada, I talked to him a few months ago and he told me this after coming back from their, what would be their national uh, convention, statistics were given to them that there are not that many conversions being reported. There are not that many water baptisms being reported. And as a result, the leadership of the denomination has had to create uh, a program that's almost like a renewal or a regeneration program where they're sending leaders back into their churches throughout the country to make sure they're practicing Pentecostal disciplines. I mean, are you speaking in tongues? Are you baptizing people in water? Are you giving altar calls for people to be saved? And so there's a decline, but not because God's doing less in this generation, but it's because there is a temptation to back away from the moving and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it's a mistake. It's a massive mistake. And, you know, let me just say this. It's not it's not how hip you are that determines how impactful you can be in the kingdom of God. It's not how, how you dress that determines whether you'll impact lives or not. Literally, that is the last thing. I mean, think about how foolish of a thought process that is like, you know, well, I feel like I can, I feel like if I wear ripped jeans and a t-shirt, you know, my ministry will be more powerful. Well, no, I think if you wear a three piece suit, you know, your ministry is more powerful. That's a foolish way of thinking because what you wear doesn't have anything to do with how anointed you are has nothing to do with how anointed you are as a pastor, as a minister. If you're listening to this, you know, it's crazy. If you get, you start to get older, right? People start to get in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and then there's pressure. Well, I got to start wearing jeans. I got to start wearing, you know, I have to start wearing t-shirts. I got to, you know, this and that because I got to be relevant. I'll tell you what's relevant is the power of the Holy Ghost. Getting people delivered from drugs, 
heroin, opioids. That's relevant. States can't even figure out what to do about those epidemics. But if you can do that as the man of God and as a Christian, that's relevant. Let me tell you what's not relevant is just getting up and teaching a message that has no power, that's more like a TED Talk than it is a Pentecostal service, and expecting that to change lives of people that are dying, literally dying, and on their way to hell. So let me jump into these because I want to give you three good reasons to leave your church. And let me put an addendum on there, not to just leave the dead church that you're in, but to find one that is on fire. Find one that is moving in the Holy Ghost and is seeing conversions, seeing people baptized in the Holy Ghost, seeing miracles take place, preaching, you know, the prosperity and provision message that the Bible teaches. These things need to be preached and taught to our generation. So when I tell you that these are three good reasons to leave, I tell people there's nothing else. You know, if there's anything worth moving for, it's to find a good church. There's people that'll move to get because there's a job available in an area or they'll move to be closer to family or whatever. Let me tell you, there's nothing more important than where you go to church, where your kids are raised in church. Nothing more important than that. It is an eternal value that you're getting from the house of God. And it should be your number one priority. I mean, do you know, they thought like this back when towns and cities were still being planted all across America, when America was a younger nation. Do you know when they would uh, found or, or they would start or found new cities or towns, the first building that would be built in the city or town was the church building in the center of the town. And everything else would be built out from and around the church in the center of the town. That's just, that was their way because they understood that this is what's important, a place of worship for our entire city, our entire town. And that's the way that they would plant and found those cities and those towns. So it needs to be understood that going to church and where you go to church is vital. It is life or death. And I'm getting ready to give you uh, three things that need to be that you need to understand about the moving of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, if you're going to be you know at the right church receiving the right thing. And the first thing I want you to see, obviously, we're talking about this great departure from the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this is prophesied in the scripture. The Bible says that at the end, in the last days or at the end of time, that there'd be a great falling away or the hearts of many would grow cold. Understand that this apostasy that the Bible is prophesying about is taking place all over the world, people who used to be on fire for God, people that used to be Holy Ghost filled, that believed in miracles and signs and wonders are being deceived. They're backing away. They feel the pressure of the current culture and society to not be that dogmatic about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Somebody with with some church growth seminar, quote unquote, I use it very loosely, has told them that you know if you'll if you'll just you know back off of those things and just go with the main thing which is just talking about the love of Jesus or the grace of God if you'll just do more of that we can we can pack your churches we can make sure that we get this church growing if you'll back away from those fringe things and you know people refer to the holy ghost and the manifestations of the holy ghost like it's some fringe thing that's way out there that's like out in left field you know well you've gone from just talking about Jesus now you're into that all that holy spirit manifestation and you're out in left field somewhere come back to the main thing the main thing is the holy ghost jesus thought it was 
Jesus thought it was. God thought it was. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Do you realize that God sent Jesus to this earth so that he could complete redemption's plan, but that Jesus couldn't even do anything on the earth as the son of God until he got filled with the Holy Ghost in Luke chapter 3. So the Bible says at the end of the chapter, he gets baptized in, in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And in Luke chapter four and verse one, we see what happens. Immediately, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was then when he was 30 years old that he got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was those final three and a third years of his life when miracles, signs, and wonders exploded in his ministry. It couldn't happen before that because he hadn't received any power to be a miracle worker. And so God, by the way, thought the Holy Spirit was the main thing. And before Jesus could even begin his earthly ministry, he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he pulled out his 12 disciples, the first thing he did was blew his breath on them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to commission them to do the work he was doing. When Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth and ascend into heaven after spending 40 days with his disciples, he gave them an instruction. He said, go and tarry or wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. That's the Holy Ghost. He said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. So God thought the Holy Ghost was the main thing. Jesus thought the Holy Ghost was the main thing. And then number three, the disciples and the apostles thought the Holy Ghost was the main thing because every place in the book of Acts that we see conversions take place, we ultimately then see people being filled with the Holy Ghost shortly after. We see it in Acts chapter 2, we see it in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19. We see it all through the book of Acts that as soon as people are saved, they immediately lay hands on them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples following suit from Jesus and God himself considered the Holy Spirit to be the main thing. And it to this day, The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift ever given to the earth outside of Jesus Christ. So to reject his manifestations, to reject his power is absolutely foolish. To treat it like it's some side dish to the entree of salvation is foolish. It is the main thing from heaven. It it is the main thing God gave us to be effective and impactful for the kingdom before it's too late. Number one. I want to get into these three things that you need to understand about the power of the Holy Spirit and why, if they're not present in your church, it's time to politely and respectfully withdraw yourself and find a place that is filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence, okay? Number one, the reason this is so important is that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit were the expectation of Jesus and He prophesied that these things would take place. We start in John chapter 14. Let me read you verse 12. Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works will they do because I'm going to the father. So you understand he was saying here that when I go to my father, he told his disciples this later, when I go to be with the father, I'll send you another comforter talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit 
is the one that allows us to do the works of Christ and see the expectation of Jesus here for his disciples. He said, the works that I do, you will do also. But understand, in the same way that Jesus could not do them without the Holy Ghost, we cannot do them without the Holy Ghost. If we could, if we could do what Christ did without the Holy Ghost, that would make us greater than Jesus. And we're not greater than Christ. The Bible says that the disciple is never greater than the master. And that's the case. Christ is the greatest and we follow him. In fact, Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. So you, there are levels of maturity without question. But if Christ needed the Holy Ghost, we need the Holy Ghost. So number one, it was an expectation. And then in the same thing, number one, he also prophesied this. He prophesied this when he gave the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, and he said to his disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that does not believe will be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, raise the dead. They'll they'll lay their hands on the sick. They shall recover. If they eat or drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. We'll be able to tread on scorpions. So Christ prophesied this power was coming to the early church. So number one, it was the expectation and the prophecy of Christ. So when a church makes a decision, for example, here's a decision that people are actually discussing like a group of fools in their leadership meetings and conferences. These are actual questions. I have proof of this by leaders that were in the meetings. Full gospel denominations are asking these questions in their meetings. Should we allow speaking in tongues on our Sunday morning services or in our Sunday morning services? Should we allow speaking in tongues in our Sunday morning services? Foolish questions. Foolish questions. I mean, I can't even get into all the things I've heard because it would take too long and it would just make me angry to know that there are people that have so departed from the Holy Spirit that they, you know, they think that the Holy Spirit's manifestation and work in their church is going to be a harmful thing to the growth of the church. However, when I read the book of Acts, I don't see anywhere in the book of Acts where they ever had an issue with church growth. Go through the entire book of Acts. You'll, you know what you'll see? 3,000 were added to the church. 5,000 were added to the church. 6,000 were added to the church. Multitudes were added to the church. Innumerable multitudes added to the church. They had zero problem having people added to the church. And let me tell you something. The apostles, it's not like they were easy on sin. It's not like they were preaching some just watered down message that was hyper grace. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. They were out there rebuking people for sin telling people to be thrown out of the church uh, and turned over to Satan. You know, I mean, they, it's not like they were easy. It's not like they were out. And it's not, and it's also not like they didn't have manif- They had the strongest manifestations of the Holy Ghost. I mean, when you see these things take place, Peter's shadow, they laid sick people on the side of the road that couldn't get to Peter at one time. And he said, you know what? Lay them on the side of the road. When I come through, my shadow will fall upon them and they'll all be healed. Paul, having handkerchiefs and aprons uh, being placed on his body while he ministered and then taken from his body, Acts chapter 19. And when they were laid on those with demons or those that were sick, they were delivered and made well. They had an abundance of manifestations in the early church, and it didn't hinder church growth one bit. 
Because you know what hinders church growth is people that are goofy. People that are not, it's not the manifestations of the Holy Ghost that drive people away. It's foolishness that drives people away. It's a lack of administration uh, and, and administrative skills that drive people away. It's people that are straight up mean. You think I haven't seen that. We've seen it all over. People that don't operate, walk in love, joy and peace. You know, and, and it drives people out of church. It's not because the Holy Ghost manifestations are there. That's foolishness. Well, the reason nobody comes to our church is because we we do it the right way. That's bull crap. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible, you, you think Christ didn't do it the right way? You, you think that the apostles didn't do it the right way? They did it the right way. And they had innumerable multitudes, the Bible says, innumerable. In fact, Jesus' ministry grew, grew from crowds to multitudes, from multitudes to great multitudes, the Bible says, and from great multitudes to innumerable multitudes. So you can't tell me the reason nobody's coming is because we're doing it the right way. No, that's not true. There's a there's a missing element somewhere. There's a missing element. Number two, the second reason, not only is the manifestations and the power of the Holy Spirit, the expectation and prophecy of Christ, but number two, these things are the proof that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's alive. The manifestations of the Holy Spirit are proof that Christ is the Messiah and that he's alive. First, let me go over to Luke chapter 7. And I want you to see this. Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to read to you verses 18 through 22. Listen to this. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who's to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. Verse 22. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's verse 23. So first of all, John the Baptist is asking a valid question here. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Jesus didn't get offended and say, I can't believe after all the messages I've preached, you still don't believe it. No, he showed them by miracles, signs, and wonders, manifestations of the Holy Spirit and used those signs and pointed to those wonders as the proof that he was the Messiah. So Christ himself used the manifestations of the Holy Spirit as proof he was God's chosen one. He was the Messiah that had been prophesied who has come. And he said, now go tell John, you don't have to look any further for the Messiah, the one who was to come. I am him. And these signs and wonders and miracles are the proof that I am him. But not only does it prove that he's the Messiah, it also proves Jesus is alive. It's the proof Christ is still alive today. Over in Acts chapter eight, we see the story of Philip who went into Samaria because he'd, he'd been scattered outside of Jerusalem because of persecution. The Bible says he found himself in the city of Samaria. And verse 4 of Acts 8 says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 
And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Okay, Jesus is dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended at this point. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, no longer on the earth. Philip preached Christ to the city. Verse 6, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said about Christ by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. And so listen, not only are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit proof that Jesus is the Messiah, but as we can see here from Acts chapter 8, I just chose this uh, passage to show you. There's many we could use in the New Testament. Uh, You know, Paul even said uh, that he hadn't fully preached the gospel until he had demonstrated the gospel by power. He said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So Paul felt the same way as Philip and Peter and the rest of the apostles. And that is this, that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit are proof that Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, he's coming back soon. See, so when we have the manifestations of the Holy Spirit at work in our churches, in our meetings, in our ministries, it is not only proof that we follow the man who is the chosen one of God, it is also proof that he is not dead, he's alive. Listen, If Jesus was dead and had stayed dead, then he could not have ascended into heaven and could not have sent us the Holy Spirit. You get this. So understand, if Jesus was dead today, there are no miracles that could be happening. Jesus, you know, if he was still in a tomb somewhere and his bones could be found by an archaeologist, miracles could not take place because it is the Holy Spirit who causes those miracles to happen. And if Christ is dead, then he could not have sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit didn't come and raise him from the dead. But Jesus is alive. That's not just our opinion, and that's also not just our religion's opinion, but this is historical evidence and proof that when Christ was raised from the dead, according to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, he showed himself to over 500 of his followers at one time. And we don't have any evidential proof throughout the centuries. Not one person wrote one thing that said, I was there. That didn't happen. It's a lie. It's a con. It was an illusion. None of that. And people had their entire life to step forward and say it was fake if it was fake. But instead, they died for that fact. They were eaten by lions for that fact. They were burned at the stake for that fact. Let me tell you, Jesus is alive. And that's a historical fact. Uh, And the fact that he is alive is the proof we have now that these manifestations of the Spirit are taking place because he sent us the Holy Spirit. And for a church to back away from the Holy Spirit because they think it's creepy or weird for the visitors, do not understand the Word of God. Any church who thinks it's weird or creepy to have manifestations of the Holy Spirit, do not understand the Word of God. So we don't like to have speaking in tongues in our church because, you know, well, honestly, we have a lot of visitors that come through and, you know, they, they think it might be a little creepy. And a, Listen, you don't understand what you're talking about because the Bible itself says that tongues is a sign to the unbeliever, not to the believer, to the unbeliever. So these things, 
get it. Think about this just for a second, for, as far as from the unbelievers perspective, uh, you need to understand that there wasn't one person Jesus healed in the Bible that was a Christian. There were no Christians because Jesus hadn't died yet or been raised from the dead. So there were no Christians. Every person Jesus ministered to was a sinner. So Christ showed his miracles, signs, and wonders to unbelievers. And let me show you something that's very powerful that's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. The Bible says, uh, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. One translation says it this way, many believed on his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So understand this, that these miracles, it didn't freak them out. It didn't drive them away. It didn't say, you know, Jesus is kind of creepy. I see all those miracles that he's doing and all the things that are those manifestations of the spirit. He's creepy. He's a creepy guy. No, 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 no. Jesus was, was the type of man that nobody could, it was so hard for people to even get close to him because he drew such a crowd everywhere he went. He tried to get away. He would go out into the wilderness to try to get away from the crowds and the crowds were so hungry to be around him that they would follow him for miles out into the wilderness to the point where they were about to faint and then Jesus would have to multiply loaves and fish to feed them so that they wouldn't faint on the way home. I mean, Jesus was not a man that was repelling crowds. He was drawing crowds. Why? By the pure manifestations of the Holy Spirit and the power that he carried on his person and in his ministry. And understand, when churches try to back away from the manifestations of the Holy Ghost or gloss over them and make them seem like there's some little, you know, funny little thing. Well, you know, we do believe in that, but, you know, you, see, you know, we don't how many of you, oh, you've been saved. All right, now, if you want to be you know, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I understand if there's those of you that don't want to, listen, it's no problem. You don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But listen, if you have some kind of a weird desire to be baptized in the Spirit, fill out this card now that you're saved and just check the box that says baptism. It's way down there underneath what type of pizza you like and if you'd be available for men's and women's ministries. And, you know, and if you'd like to, then we've got 19 weeks of podcasts you can listen to to make sure you still want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, you know, after all that's done, we'll have a meeting with you to still make sure that you're interested in that. And then, you know, if you truly want to, then we'll take you into the basement of the church, you know, where no one can see. No, it's like, what are you trying to do? Talk people out of being baptized in the Holy Ghost? It's like, how much more could churches gloss over the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Like it's some unimportant thing. When in fact, it was a thing that Jesus paused his disciples' entire ministries until they got it. Think about that. Jesus told them to go wait there. He didn't tell them to keep preaching while you're waiting, keep performing miracles while you're waiting. No, he said, go and just wait until you get it. Don't do anything else until you get this gift I'm sending from heaven. The reason he was like that, the reason he was adamant about it is because it is the power that allows you to operate like Christ. And if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, you're missing out on Jesus Christ's gift to the earth. He sent the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand that this is vital. It is proof that Christ is alive and that he's the Messiah. And finally, number three, if you're going to a church that 
is glossing over the manifestations of the spirit. They, you know, they don't care about being spirit filled. You know, they don't ever see it. There's never demonstrations of the spirit. There's never manifestations. You know, it's, it's always glossed over. You're in a problem place because that church is damaging to you as a Christian. That sounds strong. Wait, are you, hold on a second, brother. You talking about my church is damaging to me. It's damaging to you. Because understand that the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit were sent to the church as gifts from heaven that would profit the church and would build up the church. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as Paul gets ready to define this. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit last week on the podcast. If you didn't get a chance to listen, go back and listen to that one. But Uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Okay. So the apostle Paul is writing to what, you know, you hear some of these people, well, you know, our church just isn't ready for that. You know, our, our church just isn't really quite mature enough to hear about that stuff. Paul is writing to the most immature church we have in scripture. The Corinthians were the most immature believers that we have record of in Scripture. And he's writing to them saying, don't be ignorant or uninformed about spiritual gifts. I want you to be informed. So there's never a level of church that's not ready to hear about the manifestations of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. There is no level of maturity before you can hear about this. Christ gave it to those that didn't hadn't even become Christians yet, and Paul gives it to those that were the most immature in the in the Bible. Now look at this. I'm going to go down to verse 4. The Bible says now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. I want you to see that. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Hmm. I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified Bible. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. For good and profit. Profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, profit, to gain or to increase in value. So notice, it is the spiritual gifts that have been sent by, or, by God through the Holy Spirit that cause the believers to profit in their calling, in their purpose. It's part of the way that we have a building up. Think about this. What if there are believers that are sick? Think about that for a second. The book of James says in James chapter five, if there's any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church. What are they, what are they supposed to do about it? They'll anoint you with oil and they'll pray the prayer of faith. And the Bible says, then God will raise up the sick person. That's called either the, the gifts of healing or the working of miracles, depending on how it operates or functions. So right there, in order to fulfill that command from the book of James, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit have to be present in the church. What happens if you go to a church that doesn't believe in the manifestations of the Spirit and you start battling a sickness 
or, or God forbid, a terminal disease, and you go call on your elders of the church and say, well, you know, we don't really believe in that. I mean, you know, that's that kind of died off in the early church with the last apostle, and, you know, we don't really believe God's doing that. So you're in big trouble if you're battling cancer and going to a church that doesn't believe in healing. You're in massive trouble. And see, that's what the devil uses uh, to try to destroy a generation is, is to get people to back away from the power of God that was sent to keep us in total victory at all times. So number three, it's damaging to you as a Christian to attend a church that rejects or glosses over the manifestations of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. It's a mistake. And see, these three things are so very important that you understand them. Number one, the manifestations of the Spirit are the expectation and prophecy of Christ. Number two, they are the proof that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's still alive. And number three, uh, that it's important to understand that if you don't have the gifts of the Spirit, it's damaging to you personally as a Christian. See that. I want to show you uh, uh, another verse of Scripture real quick from the uh, from the writings of the Apostle Paul. In uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, listen to this. <clears throat> Paul says, I am yearning to see you, this is the Amplified once again, that I may impart and share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish you. You see that? So Paul even understood that when I come to a church with the ability to manifest and impart spiritual gifts into their lives, when I do that, it will strengthen those believers and it will establish those believers. See that. So understand, that's what takes place when the gifts of the Spirit are in, in manifestation, is there's a strengthening, there's a prophet, as we read in 1 Corinthians, and there's an establishing of believers. So see, when there's a lack of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, you're not operating uh, at a prophet, you're operating as at a deficit as a believer. You're not strengthened, you're weakened. You're not established, you're on, you're on weak or unsure footing in the kingdom of God. So I, can't, I cannot stress how important it is to be a part of a church that believes in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that sees this. That's a, a, a church that prays in the Holy Ghost, speaks with other tongues, prays for the sick, sees miracles taking place, signs and wonders. I'm talking about a church that stands up for what the Bible teaches and is not ashamed of the power of God in operation. And let me, let me tell you, there's a lot of them out there that are backing away one by one because they're afraid that they're going to offend people or that people aren't going to come to church or blah, 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 blah. And what it really is, is that the culture has so pressed in on people, religious culture and worldly culture has so pressed in on leaders that have no backbone that they've backed right away from the manifestations of God's power and of God's spirit. And as a result, it's causing people to be destroyed and damaged. You've got a whole generation of young people that are growing up that have never seen God's power uh, manifest. They've never seen miracles take place. They've never seen people baptized in the Holy Ghost. They've never seen any of these things take place. And as a result, we're raising up a generation that doesn't care about the things of God. We've got a, a generation that's rising up that as soon as they can make their own decisions, if they're in church currently, that they're ready to leave church because they've not seen any reason to go. 
their parents aren't changed by it. There's nothing actually happening. There's no power on the message. There's nobody being uh, supernaturally changed. There's no testimonies. See, and so they say, well, "What's the point? We're just wasting our, part of our weekend going to church to, you know, be a part of this." And there's no reason to really be going. I'm, when I can get old enough to make my own decisions, my parents don't make me go to church. I'm going to leave and go do my own thing. That's why, is because they're seeing something that's got no life in it, seeing something that's got no power in it. That's why, you know, I thank God for for people in this generation that are going around the world and in their own local churches preaching the power of the Holy Ghost and seeing the manifestation and demonstration of God's power, showing it to a new generation. I've never, let me tell you, I've been around the world and everywhere I've preached. Don't let this media and this current generation fool you. Don't you know, put your Christian magazines down that are telling you that people aren't hungry for God anymore. And let me just tell you that everywhere I've been, people are hungry for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. When they see the power of God, it doesn't drive them away. It drives them to the altar to change their life with tears in their eyes and to be saved. When you preach on Bible prophecy, when you preach on miracles, signs and wonders and have them, let me tell you, conviction is real and people are driven to the altar by the power of God. He pulls them in and their lives are changed. And that's what this generation needs is the signs and wonders of God proving that Christ is alive. And if he's alive, he's coming soon. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast today, listen, I'm going to pray for you. You might find yourself today in a church that has completely done away with the moving of the spirit. It's as religious as can be. There's no manifestations of the Holy Ghost. They don't allow speaking in tongues. They don't pray for people to be baptized in the spirit. Let me encourage you strongly as a, as a, a leader in the body of Christ that it's time to reevaluate where you're going to church. If you're going to a church, listen, if you're going to a church that speaks in tongues, that prays for the sick, that preaches the full gospel of God, all those things are taking place. I don't care how big or how small it is. Stay in your church and be faithful, extremely faithful, extremely faithful. Every time the doors are open, you be in church. But if you're in a church that's not doing these things and they've purposely moved away, you need to leave in a hurry and get... Because let me tell you something, people, I always hear this, and I'm, I'll finish with this. I always hear people say something like this, and it's so stupid to think this way. Well, I just believe God's keeping me there, you know, to be a light, you know, just to be an encouragement, so push, push towards that. God does not move that way. God doesn't move by rebellion. God doesn't move by insurrection. He's not going to use people underneath the leadership to overthrow the leadership or even to guide the leadership. God doesn't move that way. God moves from the top down, not from the bottom up. So you, you're not there to change your leadership. You're there to be submitted to your leadership. So if you're in a place where the leadership is going in the wrong direction, you need to find a place where they're going in the right direction and get submitted in that place and then become extremely faithful. Because let me tell you something, your life is too important to sit around and squander your life where there's no anointing. Your your kids are too important to raise them up in a church where there's no anointing, where there's no power of the Holy Ghost. Their lives are too important for that. You need to think eternally minded and say, you know what, there's a day coming. My kids need the Holy Ghost now. Not when they're 18, not when they're 21, now when they're six, when they're seven, when they're five, when they're three. That's what we need is people who are being immersed in the Holy Ghost from a young age. And let me tell you, if you're not close to a church that's like that, move and get to a church that is like that. I'm hearing more and more stories 
especially this year and the end of last year. More and more people are telling me <laughs> these kind of testimonies. I, I, I was not happy. There was nothing going on, no spiritual movement at my church. I moved. I moved states. I moved hundreds of miles away to go to a church. Do you know, I know, I know a couple that are listening to this podcast right now that they will get up and drive three hours or more one way to go to church on Sunday morning and then drive three hours back home just to go to church. Six hours of driving on one Sunday to go to a church that's filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that's moving in the things of God. That's hunger. That is hunger. That's what we need in this generation. Hungry people that will make their decisions based on the kingdom first and everything else next. And here's the blessing about uh, that, that takes place with that. The Bible says in Matthew 6:33, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. So well, I don't know if I can move there. What about a job? If you put the kingdom first, God will put you first. Put the kingdom first, he'll put your family first. The job will be there, the finances will be there, but you need to be where the anointing is and where your life will be changed for the better. I'm going to pray for every one of you that are listening. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would give them the wisdom, the strength, and the boldness to make these decisions, to put the kingdom first and everything else next. And we thank you, Lord, that promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord, and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. So, Lord, I pray that as they obey the leading of your spirit, that you will take them head and shoulders above the rest, bless them financially, mentally, physically, and in their relationships. We thank you for that, Lord, and I give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, before I go, let me encourage you. If you've not signed up yet for Miracle Word University, jump over there after the podcast, MiracleWordU.com. You're going to want to grab the three courses we have available right now and uh, coming up not long. We've got this new course on faith being finished up right now. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to build you up in faith. And you and we need that in this generation more than ever before. People equipped to do what God's called them to do. And how we do it? We do it by the knowledge of God's word and the power of his spirit. That's why we have Miracle Word University. It's available. Every course is only $69. And you, there's even an option to do it over two months if you want to do $35 a month. No reason not to get invested and get involved. And there's about five hours of teaching on each course. We have courses on the Holy Spirit, divine healing, answered prayer, faith is coming, bibliology is coming, eschatology is coming. It's going to be phenomenal. So go jump in and uh, it will bless you greatly. Hey, I love you guys. Don't forget until next week that goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 